so if our top salesperson is not living this value, right? Let's say, and I'm, uh, let's say it's collaboration, you know, that that is core to who we are. And there's, you know, multiple things that happen. Are we going to let that individual go or not? Are we going to hold on because they're one of our top revenue producers? Is those kinds of questions when you're getting really clear about your values that you have to ask yourself? Hi, and welcome to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaS Talk. Irina Jambazova here, head of content marketing. On this week's episode, I speak with Diane Adams, chief culture and talent officer at Sprinkler. Diane has devoted her career to building and studying the role of culture in a company's success. As the chief culture and talent officer at Sprinkler, Diane and her team are charting the course for building a high-performing and inclusive culture. No wonder then that the word her colleagues would use to describe her and her work is obsessive in relation to figuring the puzzle that is company culture. When asked what company culture is, Diane says it's the consistent set of behaviors displayed inside an organization rather than the words or the culture decks or the free coffees alone. Actual culture starts by understanding what people truly care about. No matter where I travel or, or who I work with, it, people care about three things, really. They care that someone's listening to them. They care that they're giving, you know, that that we're learning from what they have to, to say and that they're being recognized, right? They're being rewarded for, for their input and the difference that, that, that they make. When she first joined Sprinkler over a year ago, CEO Raji Thomas told Diane, of a case scenario often observed in high-growth companies. The company culture sprinkler had been great until it wasn't anymore. Diane rolled her sleeves and began fixing that. One of the first things that was born out of that was the Employee Delight Assurance Program. Once a month, every leader meets with each of their direct reports. And here's the one question. On a scale of 1 to 10... What, how would you rate your happiness? And I want you to give me the top three things we need to do differently or needs to happen differently in order for you to be happier. After they implemented that seemingly simple program, that question, the results were incredible, both in terms of engagement and attrition. Diane attributes that to the feedback mechanisms that showcase clearly what works and what doesn't. As a result, the company is showing a great deal of self-awareness. Always define who you are and who you're not. So when you're communicating with the whole organization, you're really clear what it means, and you're you know but you're and you're clear what it doesn't mean. So people are clear the behaviors they don't want to see. The will sit down for a panel with Raji Thomas at Sastok East Coast on June 4th and 5th in New York. They'll be talking about how to empower leaders to motivate their teams to ensure they're disciplined in executing their strategy. The two are part of an absolute stellar lineup that includes Nathan Latka, Aaron Crow, Patrick Campbell, Megan Keeney Anderson, who's VP Marketing HubSpot, David Thompson, who's CMO of Freshwork. 
The list goes on and on and on. If you're curious, you can read all about them and how they will help you scale your company on our blog. The important point is that we love you, our SaaS Revolution Show listeners, so much that we want to give you a special 50% discount off tickets. Just make sure you don't tell my CMO. Just use code REVOLUTION50 at checkout. That's R-E-V-O-L-U-T-I-O-N 50. Now, on with the show. Hi, and welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show. I am super excited to be chatting to Diane Adams, Chief Coacher and Talent Officer at Sprinkler. Diane, very welcome to the podcast. Um, how are you? How are you today? I am wonderful. It is um, great to meet you, Arena, and thanks for, for having me on the podcast. This is fun. It's great to have you. Um, so we're going to be chatting about some interesting things today, um, obviously around culture and talent, which I personally am very, very interested in. But before we dive in, for those of the listeners who may not know about you or Sprinkler, can you tell us a little bit about um, who Diane Adams is? Sure. Thank you. So, you know, at first I was share, shared that, you know, I live a very full life playing a, a number of roles. I'm a, I'm a mother to three, a daughter, spend a lot of time with my family, business leader, author, and even first time skydiver. So I'm pretty excited about that. You know, when you ask me about myself, it's kind of, it's always a little awkward to talk about yourself. So I asked my kids, I I asked um, a couple of colleagues that know me well, and I said, so how would you describe me? And it was funny because they used the term obsessive, and I would say obsessive about extraordinizing kind of everything I touch, whether it's leading culture and talent, which is human resources and other organizations. So leading culture and talent for, you know, Fortune 500 companies or or smaller entrepreneurial organizations and spending, like I said, lots of time with my family, three, three grand boys, four and under. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd also say leading the, the fight against juvenile diabetes. So being obsessive around everything that I, I touch and just trying to live a very rich and fulfilling life and a very intentional life, right? And, and, and doing that in a positive way. Wow. That sounds amazing. And it's, it sounds like you're keeping busy and with, <laughs> with work related and fulfilling personal life. Um, uh, so we're going to jump right into it. And, um, a couple of years ago, you published a book by the name, it takes more than casual Fridays and free coffee. Uh, which I absolutely love the title and I couldn't agree more with the sentiment in the title. Um, tell us a little bit more about the ideas in the book and how you came to write it. Sure. Thanks, Arena. You know, I was very fortunate in my career to be part of, of great cultures and like the culture that John Chambers built at Cisco Systems. And what I saw and what I learned is the cultures are built in an intentional way. And so when sharing with others, what I've learned, um, 
often, I'm often asked, how do you build a great culture? Because it feels really overwhelming. And so given that, I wanted to simplify and I wanted to make it easy for others to get the culture right. So that's why I created the roadmap to building a great culture. And then that led to the book. Amazing. What, what, what's the, the feedback that you've gotten since you published it? Um, yeah, great question. You know, what I feel good about, Irina, is I think my measure of success was to make it easy for people, make it simple. And that's the feedback that I've gotten. And that it's, a, it's just a very practical approach to building culture, which can feel, like I said, just very, very overwhelming, very complex. So, so I've been pleased that people are able to take it and, and really use it as a roadmap to, to implement great cultures. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I do think that culture is, you know, to this day, perhaps not fully understand. And um, I love in, in the very opening, you, you mentioned the fact that culture is nothing abstract. You know, it's a, it's a very non-abstract thing. So in that sense, you know, what, what would you say is culture? What, what, how do we define company culture? So I'll share with you my favorite definition, and and it is culture is what we do when no one is looking. And it actually was a definition from Herb Kelleher, who was CEO of Southwest Airlines. And, and so that is my favorite one. And I think about it from the perspective, it's about doing the right thing time and time again, right? So consistent behaviors that define an organization. So yeah, that, that's how I think about culture. And, and, you know, I also think a lot, what are those, those companies that don't get it right? And, you know, what, what happens there? And I think it is, it's the absence of having that, that clear strategy or roadmap. And the other part of it, when I think about culture, is where you have situations where, you know, the organization or the leaders aren't role modeling, right? The, the values that are, that are defined by the organization. Yeah. And, and, and I almost think that that second case is perhaps to an extent even worse because it's, it's saying one thing and, and, and doing, doing something else is, uh, I think we all humans can, can catch that, um, oxymoron almost. Um, but one, one thing I, I what struck me in the book, which I found very interesting is you talk about this idea of the importance of leaders communicating with good intentions. What do you mean by that? Um, you know, how, how, how is that even achieved practice? Again, I think with everything that's culture, you know, saying it is one thing, doing it is another thing. So how, how does that relate to communicating with good intentions? So, you know, you, you use the term, um, how's it achieved practically? So I think that that's one of the things that I'll come back to. Like, how do you really make great cultures happen? But really fortunate to, you know, the majority of my career have global roles, right? And no matter where I travel or, or who I work with, it, people care about three things, really. They care that someone's listening to them. They care that they're giving, you know, that, that we're learning from what they have to, to say and that they're being recognized, right? They're being rewarded for, for their input and the difference that, that, that they make. Understanding that 
means you know you lead with good intentions when you do you listen and you learn from them and you take action and you recognize and reward them and what maybe i can just give you a, a quick example that's been really good that's been really powerful here at sprinkler when i joined a, a year ago and you know way excited this sprinkler's fabulous company and Raji, the the CEO, said, we have a a cultural, I'll use the term opportunity, challenge or opportunity, but we'll look at it as an opportunity. And what he said is the culture was phenomenal and then some things changed and it wasn't, the culture wasn't the way um, it was or the way he envisioned it or the way he wanted it. So that means we had to be very intentional. You know, you talk about using the roadmap. We had to be very intentional what we were building. We first defined our values. We call it the sprinkler way, the foundation, right, for how we, you know, how we work, how we live, who we are. One of the things that we did to give you the example, going back to the first thing you've got to do is listen to people. We implemented a a process, if you will. It was called the Employee Delight Assurance Program. And what that meant is once a month, every leader meets with each of their direct reports. And here's the one question. On a scale of one to 10, what, how would you rate your happiness And I want you to give me the top three things we need to do differently or needs to happen differently in order for you to be happier. I, I love, I love this because we were trying to accelerate this culture of trust, right? And a lot of companies do the, you know, the anonymous surveys or the, the pulse survey and so forth. And all those are great, but this creates a culture where you're having that conversation between the leader and the employee. Here's what happened. Those three recommendations and going back to taking action, being very practical, we rolled those up company-wide and we had our top three themes. Then we also have town halls, all hands, you know, a, a number of communication vehicles. We were very clear. Here's what you said. And here are the actions that we're taking. Like, here's what you recommended. And you fast forward nine months to give you the impact of that um, and why I believe that this was, a, you know, the accelerating of a great culture. Nine months later, there were two things. The engagement was much, much higher from our employees, higher than I expected. And the second thing is the attrition was voluntary attrition was reduced to one third. So you can imagine like that's, it's pretty amazing, like where we were and the impact. So, you know, so I'll give you that example because it's very practical and it almost um, challenges the norms. Like you think to get real input, it's got to be confidential, but more and more in three months in when people were seeing okay, we really do care. We're going to take your feedback. We're rolling it up. Here's what we're doing. And now we're on to the, you know, we're on to the next priority. So, so anyway, hopefully that was helpful, but um, the, the listening, the learning, the taking action and being really practical makes all the difference. Yeah, no, that, that sounds incredible. And, and, and always to hear such transparency, um, and, and care for, for, for what, you know, 
asking people, how do you actually feel? Um, mm-hmm. And 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 it, it it brings me to obviously the topic of diversity and inclusion is is really big um, all all over tech. Um, we are certainly trying to do our bit uh, at SaaS Talk, trying to build both the conference, but also trying to help SaaS in general to be more diverse and. What I even find more important, inclusive, um, I think, you know, diversity is easier achieved in the sense of, well, you can hire um, a diverse pool of, uh, of people, but are they actually going to feel included? Are their voice going to be heard? And would they feel like they need to fit in to the, to the culture or that the culture fits to them and, and, and accepts their, their diverse voices? I think that's the slightly more difficult um, problem to solve. I, I was at a conference last week and someone um, used the metaphor that diversity is like being invited to the party. Inclusivity is being asked to dance. Um, and and I think I, I love that because, yeah, we all dance differently and we, we probably would feel, um, you know, a bit self-conscious. Um, so in, in that sense, how do we build a culture where differences are not just, you know, tolerated, but actually celebrated and, and used as an advantage? Yeah, I, I love your um, I love your question. Like like you, Arena, very very passionate around this because we know you can only be at your best if you do embrace everyone, right? And and again, I'll state the obvious: so far beyond race and gender. One of the terms, and the first thing I'll just say is. I love what like a, a LinkedIn or Airbnb, how, how they talk about it. You know, you talk about being inclusive and they talk about belonging. And, and so for me first, I think, what's the goal? I also think like, what language are we going to, to use? And I like you being inclusive and, and creating a sense of belonging. And to, to that point, just for a second, when we created the sprinkler way, right? Our way of, you know, of, uh, of living and, and working and being. One of the things we're very intentional about is treat each other like family. So for myself, for example, treating each other like family is this huge positive that does mean respect, right? For everybody, to your point, embracing everyone for what they bring to the table. For people that had not so um, that don't have favorable or experiences with your family, very different view. And so I share that because we talk through that across the company to say, this is how we define treating each other like family. So I would just start with, which is the ultimate respect. And, and that means being very open around the positive and helping set each other up for success. So that's the first thing. We're clear that it's important to us and how we define it, to your point. And I think the second thing is, going back to what I was saying uh, um, a minute ago, if you understand what's important to people, no matter where you are, that they're feeling that they're feeling valued, that they want to be able to contribute, for us, what is big a lot of time and energy goes into ensuring our leaders are all at the same place around expectations so that we do embrace everyone. And I'll give you some very practical things that I've just seen make a huge difference. You know, every leader, for example, 
has a one-on-one with their direct report every week. Um, they have team meetings every week, right? If you have, um, you know, couple more than one level of people in your organization, you you do skip level, so you stay really close to your team. They're very every every leader in the organization, as well as employees, we're clear about goals, metrics. So we're very um, prescriptive, so that every leader, again, to accelerate getting close to your people so you understand them. So going back to, you know, how do you build this? For me, it comes down creating an environment where you seek to understand, and it is just part of almost like the operating rhythm. And then I would just say one more thing around this, and I'm giving you again, really practical, is the the fact that We've been clear with who we are and those values. What I get, what my team gets is, yes, you get all the positives when it's working. We get lots of feedback when it's not. So to your point, because you're creating this open environment, you quickly know where it's not working. So we highlight the successes. And it's also really clear where things aren't going as they need to. Like leaders, if leaders aren't embracing them, well, let me say it differently. It's just a requirement that you build an inclusive, high-performance team, and it's and it's explicitly stated with leaders of with expectations of leaders. In in the case of Sprinkler, is it is it part of like hard hardwired in in the DNA? Is it something that perhaps you, as you know, leading the culture and 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 the talent, is something that you keep an eye on and almost remind? Is it is it something for something for the CEO to remind everyone? You know, we believe in not just believe in inclusivity, but we uh, implement inclusivity. I think a couple of things from a tracking perspective. And this just go first, this goes back to the mix of people. Like we do track it, the, the, and that's only the first step, right? Like you and I are talking way belong beyond that. However, just the mix of our people is always reviewed. And we actually have a weekly data pack, right? Like what's the mix of our team? And I'll just touch on gender for a second. Are we hiring at the rate, you know, hiring women at the rate that um, we're to to goal, right? So we always have the right mix. So that's kind of a first thing. But I think the second thing, you know, going back to the Employee Delight Assurance Program, when we every every executive can see every comment in the in the the company as well, and. Okay, and and some people may not want to disclose it if things aren't good. Then we also um, have the pulse survey. So to your point, it's a very specific question around how people feel and it being an inclusive environment. So we've got a number of ways building an organization of trust. Again, people are much more, and this is but this has been my high arena. Um, to people are so much more comfortable to to speak out because they know we're clear what we want. So if it doesn't look that way or they see something that doesn't align, they're quick to let us know and address it. So I think it all comes back to trust. So you get, like I said, you get the positives, but you totally get where we need to improve and address it. 
I, I really like that concept of really listening listening in um, to the pulse of the organization as leaders. Um, and it's it, it kind of brings me to something else, which I'm always curious about. Oftentimes, I think when we talk about culture and we talk about any of the of the topics, um, you know, what CEOs should do and what leaders should do. But I think there is always something to be said about um, the employees of a company holding the organization and, and the leaders accountable, just like we should in in in, in society with with our politicians. What what are some some ways that um, the sprinkler employees and just in general um, people in companies um, can hold their organizations and leaders accountable? So we make sure that you know really the the companies are are the cultures that they they want to be. You know, accountability is huge, right? It's not enough to talk about. It's not enough to, to educate. Um, the accountability, and I'll just give you uh, an example again. You know, when I talked about the Employee Delight Assurance Program, so once a month, right, we we have a view. or not a view. We do this. No employee left behind. So what does that mean? That means when it's rolled, so data, 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 right? So when it's rolled up and let's say it comes to my team and it's 95% complete, that doesn't work. The leaders who haven't completed it, it goes back to them to say, gosh, okay, you know, we want everyone to be heard. It also goes to the executive team. So when you do that, and it took us a little bit after a number of you know reminders, like you have to do this, now we're at a very different place because it's part of the culture. You know, no employee left behind. We want everyone heard. The other thing, just again, the examples, accountability. I'm a huge believer that you operationalize, for like the better term, leadership development. And what I mean by that, um, leaders are going to get better and better at communicating if they're doing it. So, you know, I said, you meet with your one your direct reports once a week, you know, you hold team meetings once a week. They may not be perfect because they're learning, but once they do it, right, you, you see the value. And to the point of accountability, we also, you know, with the Pulse survey, we get that data as well. So I would share the majority of organization, the leaders are doing it right now. We still have some work. So we've got the majority um, and we've still got a little bit of work to, to do. But that gives you a sense. Every Everything that's possible to be tracked. So we set expectations. Everything that you can track, we do. And then it is shared with the executive team and, well, and, and all our leaders, actually. But we have a strong cadence for reviewing the data uh, as well as with the board. So you get, you get the point. You use the term transparent. Everything, everything's just on the table. Sounds sounds really great, and sounds like you really you really you know taken the time to to really figure this one out and and do it um, the right way. And and just out of curiosity, um, because it's important to kind of call out those who are not living the culture mm-hmm. values. Um, what are some you know very practical ways that you have uh, to do that? Is it at meetings? Is it at something like fifteen fives or any other tools that you may? be using for this? Um, so the, the practical way is we review this data, like some of the things that I've shared with you. We review that on an ongoing basis. 
with the, for example, tomorrow, our senior leaders across the organization, they're about 70. We will show this data exactly what you're, what you and I are talking about. And then we're going to say, so this is working. And here's where we really need your help to get better. So I think it, it is embedding the um, it's embedding the expectations and the data in all of our communications vehicles. Again, I suppose from partially from from the things I read in your book, but also from everything you're you, we're talking about today. You know, you're you're a big believer in you know a real values based culture. So it's it's not it's not casual Fridays. It's not you know free coffee, ping pong tables, and all that. But it's really built on 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 values. To be to be very practical for our listeners, what are some you know what is the key to perpetuating? Um, this real values-based culture. Great. No, thank you. So, you know, there is a, the seven-step process, and I won't, we obviously won't go through all of that, but to your point, what is key? The first one that we talked about in terms of defining those values, and I'd say two things in the first step. You're defining your cultural aspiration statement. Most companies don't do that. Like, you and I are talking, and... I should have said, as you already know, it's not perfect yet, right? Like we're on the journey. Like we see that we're making huge progress, but are we where we want to be? Like, no. So that's why we have a cultural aspiration statement. So that first step, being clear what you're striving for and who you are around the values. And the other advice that I would give is when you're defining that, and it does start with the CEO, right, and the executive team, um, however, there are conversations throughout, you really want to test that. And let me give you my favorite question is, so if our top salesperson is not living this value, right, let's say, and I'm, uh, let's say it's collaboration, you know, that that is core to who we are. And there, and there's, you know, multiple things that happen. Are we going to let that individual go or not? Are we going to hold on because they're one of our top revenue producers? Is those kinds of questions when you're getting really clear about your values that you have to ask yourself? And the second thing on this very first one, and this is something we absolutely do at Sprinkler, and, and, you know, Raji, I'm sure we'll talk about it as well when we get to the, the conference is let's say we're making a hard decision relative to someone. Those are real decisions to say they've had the, the feedback. It's not changing. You know what? Are we going to live and be true to our values? And, and we have to make the hard decisions as well. So that one for me is just core. You've got, you have to start with with the defining the values and who you want to be. The other tip around that, that I have found Richard Bird is um, very fortunate. He leads cultural transformation on my team and I've just kept him right by my side because you know, he's invaluable. And one of the things that he taught me is always define who you are and who you're not. So when you're communicating with the whole organization, you're really clear what it means and you're, you know, but you're, and you're clear what it doesn't mean. So people are clear the behaviors they don't want to see. I'll give you a quick example at a previous company. You know, the, the 
honesty, the transparency. And then we were very clear on a company-wide meeting about passive-aggressive behavior. And here's what we see, right? In that company, it was like so awesome because it opened all these conversations about passive aggressive behavior and we got to change it. Right. So that, that gives you, for me, that's foundational. And I think the second one to be the only other one I touch on right now is it's not enough to talk about it, but integrating, integrating these values into everything. And we've um, just launched a, a a peer recognition program. Recognition is the fastest way to accelerate a culture. Like you can do the hard stuff. You and I talked about, gosh, you got to do the hard stuff if you have to let someone go where there are culture mismatch. But the fastest way to change a culture is start recognizing the people that are living it. So those are a couple couple for you. Yeah, no, thank you. This is great. And uh, I definitely recommend anyone who's who's interested in in finding the full seven-step process and um, how to implement it to definitely have a look at at, at your book. We'll um, link to it in the show notes. Um, But I think it's all seven steps are quite, quite important and and can be very helpful. But uh, thanks for sharing this one. And, and, And I completely agree with you. I think that decision of I'm trying to remember, it was a podcast we, we had um, a while back and someone said this, um, you know, at the end of the day, you have to let the assholes go, no matter how good contributors they are. And um, right. I think that that tells a lot about so a company. It, re- it really does. Yeah, that that is the test, how true you are to, to your values. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So 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 you men- you, you mentioned Raji and you'll be sitting alongside him at um, Sastog East Coast, um, our conference taking place in New York in um, a few days by this point, uh, June 4th <laughs> and 5th. What, what will be the things that you'll be talking with him beyond the, the things we've touched upon today that um, uh, people can listen in on if they're attending? And we'll be talking about how to motivate the team. And that's all about creating the emotional buy-in for the brand, right? Building that momentum. And like I shared earlier, treating each other like family. So much more to more to come. It'll, it should be an energizing um, and hopefully very interactive session. So that sounds great. And, and, and I like how we made a full circle about family because we started um, uh, with your family that you shared personally. And then, you know, we, we ended up at um, the Sprinkler family. And this is a nice segue into something we like to ask everyone on the podcast. SAS isn't the easiest of journeys and it can be a very tumultuous and stressful and crazy ride. Um, so what are some of the ways that you have to stay healthy and sane on that journey? Mm, I, so I love this question. And yes, to, to close, uh, to the point about family, I was very fortunate. Growing up, my mother was way ahead of her time, if you will, and a key value, if you will, what it was that we have to take care of ourselves to be able to help others. And my very specific ways, I, for myself, almost every day, I exercise part of my life, right? So the physical, the, from a spiritual perspective is taking those few moments, right? Whether it's to meditate, pray, stay grounded. And the 
third one that I added about a year ago, because I used to be terrible at it, Arena, is the sleep piece. Like I went many years on the four to five hours. Gosh, you know, I live life wide open. Okay, why am I going to waste time sleeping? You know, I am... um, I am certainly a believer now, so I've added that to ensuring I get the I make it a priority now to get get the sleep so that I do have the energy and and I'm fresh. So those are my three ways so that I can make the biggest difference that I that you know that I'm um, capable of. Sound, sounds like you're, 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 you're doing good self-care. And I think we've, we've in what we've realized in the last few uh, years and um, months, I even would say for, for SAS talk specifically is that self-care is so important for, for yes. founders. And in fact, right after SAS talk East coast, we will hold our founders retreat um, SAS mm-hmm. society. And uh, we're going to open it with a mindfulness meditation um, because I love that. Yeah, because we just wanna, we just want more and more founders to, you know, adopt this self care. It's not about eighteen hours, uh, six right. days a week. It's, um, it's really about putting in good hours, but then also, um, you know, meditating to kind of get the headspace from all the stress. Mm-hmm. Diane, right. thank you so much. This has been a wonderful, wonderful interview. Thank you for sharing all the uh, interesting aspects of the sprinkler culture and also all the things you've learned in your experience. Thank you so much for taking the time and uh, we'll see you in Sastog East Coast. Um, yes. Thank, thanks, Serena. I look forward to, to seeing you at the conference. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the SaaS Revolution show and you've picked up valuable lessons from Diane Adams. As a reminder, you can see Diane alongside Sprinkler CEO Raji Thomas and over 30 other speakers on June 4th and 5th in New York for SaaS Talk East Coast. Avail of the special listeners promotion and get 50% off tickets now. Use code REVOLUTION50 when you're getting the ticket. Thanks for listening. See you next time.